Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast. No, don't adjust your headphones. Liam is unfortunately not with us, but he's not gone away. He's uh, he's away, can't make the podcast. I kind of wish he was here because this is actually take two of recording. Uh, me and my guest got 20 minutes in before we realised that I hadn't clicked the record button. So uh, so we're take two. Um, but joining me, we have got a fantastic guest. Um, we had him on last year's wide receiver preview. And uh, I think you can say he absolutely knocked it out of the park because I think if you looked back at pretty much every one of his takes, he had, uh, he had the wide receivers lined up perfectly. Um, some of you will know him as a sandwich lover. Others of you will know him as a writer over at DLF, host of the Hanging With Daddy podcast and a writer of a deep sleeper article at Trophy Smack. Of course, it is Mike, or as most of you all know, at Daddy's Home FF. Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing well, buddy. How are you? Yeah, I, I, was, I was probably better 20 minutes ago before I realised <laughs> I forgot to click record. So, uh, so yeah, apologies. Hopefully, I felt like we were on a roll, so hopefully we can uh, we can continue that second time around. Oh, I have no um, doubt. I, I don't think we're making it up, so that we should be just fine. Perfect. Um, so yeah, so something we like to do with uh, with all of our guests is kind of, I guess, a bit of an introduction into you and 
your history in fantasy football and and that side of things. So um, so how did you you start? How long have you been playing this uh, this wonderful game that is fantasy football? Yeah, uh, so I always feel old when I ask this question because I've been playing fantasy football for almost thirty years now. Uh, me and my dad started playing. I want to say when I was what eight or nine years old and uh we teamed up it was a you know back when we used to do it on pen and paper and you'd get your results on thursday by the mail uh and you know the funny thing is and you know like we've talked about twitter's such a strange place and the first ever quarterback that i drafted in fantasy football follows me on twitter now so shout out to uh jim everett of the ramps uh rams legend jim everett was my first ever fantasy quarterback and me and my dad have uh shared a team for now almost three decades uh starting off with redraft and and now for the past 10 years for him uh i, I finally pulled him into dynasty and we've we've shared a team in dynasty for for almost a decade now with the, a lot of our redraft league we converted it over we started fresh with the startup and uh it, it's it's been running for quite a while and then on the dynasty side of things i, I did start uh, 15 years ago now uh with my home league and and that's been going strong roughly uh eight out of the original 10 teams are still there uh most of the same scoring just a good old-fashioned basic home league that we all have fun talking trash in and uh enjoying each other's company so it's, it's great to keep in touch using football like that yeah absolutely i think that's you know that's completely epic i i said i'm proud of my home league that i think is i think it's going into its 13th year this year which um yeah really really proud that we've we've managed to get together it's my mates from uni and and we get together once a year for the live draft and to be honest it's it's kind of the one time i get to see those guys once a year so uh yeah uh, hopefully we're still here in in 17 years and we can we can try and compete with that 30 number because that is that is very impressive love it and sorry, uh, sorry go ahead on. i was gonna say so how did you then kind of make that transition from just watching and playing to to getting involved in terms of the content side yeah so i think yeah, like I said, it's a, this basic story, like everyone else, uh, I started with a Father's Day card that my son drew for me. I took a picture of it, and Scott Fish had put out a tweet on Father's Day to give away the final few spots on uh, Scott Fish Bowl 10. Uh, and I was lucky enough to get one of them. From there, I was put in a division with the pod father, Matt Kelly, uh, from Road to Underworld. And... I beat him week one, made a trash talk video that was viewed by thousands and uh, got offers to start doing podcasts. It's nothing I ever expected, nothing I ever wanted to really be a part of. Like I didn't strive for it. Uh, but then just recently I got an offer from Dynasty League Football. Uh, Ryan, Ken and Eric had reached out to pick up my show. And I mean, that's a site that I've been a subscriber of for quite a long time. I, I want to say maybe going on seven years uh, that I've been a subscriber of that site. So it's kind of been a dream come true and, uh, you know, how we became colleagues. I've just been really lucky to work with some great people and, and get some good breaks. So I'm just riding it until they don't want me anymore, I guess. And we'll, we'll take it from there. No, you're, you're being too modest. I, I absolutely love the podcast. I think it's, you know, it's one of my favorites, as, as I said before we uh, we had the recording incident. It's, uh, I love that it feels like you're just having a conversation with a friend and uh, I basically get to earwig on the conversation. And uh, yeah, I, I, I love the format. I love the the kind of concept for the show. Um, and guys, if, if you're not listening, I really recommend that you, you go and do that. Um, so what we're going to do is we're, we're going to transition very smoothly from that over to our, our rookie wide receivers. Um, so as we've been doing for the last couple of weeks, we're going to talk through um, the kind of main headline guys 
Um, I'd argue that his class has got a, a, a top five. Um, I think Mike would argue that there's there's perhaps a top six. So uh, so we've added in the sixth guy just for him. Um, these are the the top six guys per DLF rank and ADP as we've done with the other shows. Um, and yeah, Mike, no, no pressure, but you you absolutely nailed it last year. So um, I think people are fully expecting you to to absolutely nail it again this year. Oh, I am too. No, there's, it's it's a guarantee. That's how it works. I mean, prospects are so easy to figure out that I see no reason why we wouldn't get it twice in a row. Exactly that. Smashing. So we'll we'll start with, I think, maybe the, the, the most hyped wide receiver I've seen in, in sort of maybe January and February time in, in quite a few years. Um, I've seen comps from Calvin Johnson to DK Metcalf to Debo Samuel and uh, and AJ Brown thrown in. Um, of course, I'm talking about Traylon Burks out of Arkansas. Mikey, are you a big fan? I am, yeah. Like, uh, fan of the player, huge fan of the player. Absolutely not a fan of any of those comps. Uh, they're borderline insane. Uh, first of all, anybody comping a player to Calvin Johnson, come on, Let, let's 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 just pump the brakes just a touch. Uh, but you know, if we talk about comps are are good for visual representation of a player, and I want to make sure that when we talk about comps here, that fantasy players understand that what we're talking about is a style of play. So much goes into fantasy output that when we bring up a comp, that I think one that's very obvious to me is uh, Drake London playing like a slender Mike Evans. I I, I like his style of play. I do comp it really well to Mike Evans style, but that doesn't mean that we can expect Mike Evans level of output. A lot went into uh, what became Mike Evans fantasy star that we have to see from Drake London. Where does he land? What style of offense? Where is he going to play? But as people do love comps, uh, Traylon Burks for me is is a is a simple one. I first heard it from Ray GQ, uh, one of the best Debbie minds out there, if not the best, uh, where he comped him to Josh Gordon. And if we take out the off the field issues that Josh Gordon has had, which I think is fair to say, you know, certainly hindered his career, and go back and look at the player from the Cleveland Browns uh, in his early years and what a beast he was, and and really just this large fast individual uh that's who Traylon Burks reminds me of and I know what people are going to knock him on that he's not the route tactician that a Wilson or an Alave is that he was used differently in Arkansas but that doesn't scare me I think when I look at the table we have to keep in mind is we are looking at a much larger receiver in Burks than anybody else in the class when you look at how slender this class is compared to Burks, for example, London coming in at two inches taller and still 16 pounds lighter to expect the movement and the flow to look the same on tape is is silly. But what you do see is that top end speed from Traylon Burks. A lot was made of his combine numbers, but when you see what he does when he gets out past a cornerback, there is nobody catching this man from behind. I think I read that his his long touchdown, the 70-yarder, that he had a top end speed of almost 21 miles an hour, which would have been the third fastest in the NFL this year. So what you worry about when you look at actual measurables is, is this somebody who's going to get caught from behind? Is this someone who's not going to be able to win vertically? And Traylon Burks will not be caught from behind. He is going to win vertically and he plays faster than his numbers would outline. And at his size, that gives him a tremendous ceiling, possibly the highest ceiling in this class because of the freak athlete that he is. 
and in the right system, I think he's going to be an absolute star. Love the player. Do you want to temper expectations that we did just come off of historic rookie seasons from Jamar Chase and prior to that, Justin Jefferson. We have to temper expectations a little bit. There's not going to be a kid that comes out every year and puts up those level of numbers. But if anybody has the ceiling to do so, it's Traylon Burks, in my opinion. Yeah, and I, I I don't disagree with with pretty much anything you said there. And I think that you know I'll, I'll be honest, Traylon Burks is my wide receiver four. And by saying he's my wide receiver four, I think I think people think that I'm really low on him. But actually, I've got five wide receivers in this class that are inside my top twenty four in terms of overall dynasty. I'm really high on this class. If if Traylon Burks had come out last year, in what I think most people would agree was a a, a pretty awesome receiver class. He would have been my wide receiver for last year as well. So it's not that I dislike Traylon Burks. It's just that I, I like a couple of guys a little bit more. Um, I think for me, I, I you know, I, I agree with a lot of what you said there in terms of how he is is a freak athlete. And I think that people, you know, we talked about before the combine that Calvin Johnson comparison, and people are talking about, oh, he's going to be the third person ever to be 6'4, 220 pounds and run a sub 4'4. And, you know, there's a reason only two guys have ever done that. Like that is obscene. And he's a very, very good athlete. He is just not a Calvin Johnson level freak athlete, but that doesn't mean that he's not great. And I think that I really like the guy, you know, he's, he's coming out as like a 94th percentile prospect in my model, which, you know, that's, that's, that's pretty high. Um, I think my concern and you touched on it is I think, because of how he was used at Arkansas in terms of in that Razorbacks offense, he was a movable piece. And he did line up outside as an X in the slot, even in the backfield sometimes. And I think people are using that as a benefit. But for me, that's a slight concern because I think he didn't get that kind of nuanced ability to to learn one position. And he was used more as a, let's get the ball in his hands. But he's because of that, he's not got that, you know, that complex package release in terms of, I don't know how many moves and his ability to beat press. I think that he's not a really nuanced route runner. And I think that for me, that concern is that it a lot depends on the offensive mind and the offensive coaching stuff that's going to get him. I think that if he is put in an offense that treats him as the movable piece that gets the ball in his hands and 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 let's let's go kind of thing, I think he he will move up in my ranks and and I think he could be really good. My concern is that the NFL could draft him and stick him into a pot and say, right, you're our ex receiver. You're going to line up. You're going to run the full route tree. You're going to, you know, line up on the solo side and you're going to have to beat man press coverage and, and, and away you go. And I think that if that happens, we're probably not going to see him succeed to the level that he could because I think it's, it's square pegs in round holes, isn't it? And I think that he requires a little bit more inventiveness from the offense than some of the other guys that I've, I've certainly got ranked ahead. Yep. And we could have applied a lot of that logic last year, Jalen Waddle. And, and I think we have the same concerns with Waddle coming out. And obviously we saw what he did. He, he went to the dolphins. And I just think that over probably what's been now the past five years, the NFL has changed considerably and continues to evolve uh, with the likes of Tyreek Hill and more recently now uh, with the way that Jalen Waddell, Debo Samuel, and players like that have been used. You're hearing now Kingsbury coming out saying that he wants to do similar with Rondell Moore, a guy who struggled for the exact reasons 
that you just mentioned. Arizona had no idea how to use Rondell Moore, and he struggled mightily in his first year to produce because of that. But I think the NFL has evolved in a way that he's more likely to end up in an open-minded system. They're almost playing positionless with their wide receivers now uh, and more so using it to create matchup mismatches rather than to match a route tree to where you're lining up on the line, where obviously, you know, historically you'd have flanker, split end, you know, X, Y, Z, however you want to phrase it, running a specific route tree and, and, and playing that role. I think you see now that folks are looking at these athletes and saying, hey, we're just going to get them the ball. And I, I think the opportunity for Traylon Burks to land in a system that will allow that to happen is much higher than it has been in years past. So while I understand the concern, I do believe that anybody who's watching this player is going to be looking at him in that role because it's quite obvious that that's where he's going to excel, uh, which is going to be, and again, Stop calling it like the Debo Samuel role. I'm not expecting Traylon Barks to line up in the backfield. Uh, more so that he's running more drags. He's running bubble screens. He, you know, they're doing things to make sure that his yards after the catch ability is maximized uh, by running a, a simplified route tree that maybe the catches end up closer to the line of scrimmage and let him go. Uh, and I think in that style, what you're going to see is this big, fast athlete excelling in that role and becoming yards after catch monsters so that that's why I'm high on him. So while I understand your concerns, I think that has dulled a little bit just with the evolution of the NFL over the past five years or so. Yeah, no, and I hear you. And I think that, you know, I, I had, as you said, I had those concerns about Jalen model last year. And I think that the difference was that Jalen model was put in an offense where it was right. Okay. Let's, let's build this offense around Jalen model. And I think that potentially my concern is, is that, I, I'm, I'm not a mock draft guy. I'm not a massive draft guy in terms of where they're going to fall. But from what I've I've seen loosely and heard, you know, Jalen Waddle was a top six pick and, and the Dolphins went and got him and said, right, we're building our offense around this guy. If Traylon Burks is falling towards the back end of the first, are a team that's, you know, just by the nature of them having a later first, going to be a, a better team, potentially have other options? Are they going to be able to build that offense around there? And, you know, as I said, if he lands in that spot, I, I, he'll be he'll be flying up my my ranks and uh, I'll be I'll be definitely more interested. But I'm I'm just a little bit concerned that he's going to be, you know, on a better team. But I think that that will potentially limit the the all round role. So uh, I've looked at all the mock drafts and and I certainly hear what you're saying. And the one team he keep, seems to keep being linked to that would be my dream come true is the Packers. Uh, <laughs> if, if he ends up on Green Bay and he doesn't shoot up your rankings, I'm not sure uh, what you're watching when you look at their usage of Devontae Adams and oh. especially use him in the red zone. Uh, if, if they use Traylon Burks in a similar role to uh, the way they used Adams, it, it will possibly will rival one of the best uh, rookie seasons we've seen in the past three years, which is saying a lot because we've seen two massive wide receiver one seasons. But uh, even those lower end picks, certainly. Uh, what's funny is, it, and you know my fandom, um, the team I absolutely do not want to see him on is the New England Patriots. Uh, when we talk about teams that won't know how to use a, a resource like that, they proved while using John Smith incorrectly all year that they have no idea how to use a resource like that. And I would absolutely despise that for Traylon Burke. So uh, there is certainly some potential pitfalls uh, in that area of the draft, uh, but there's also some gold mines. And, and I, I think that this is a kid who uh, is talented enough to make it regardless of landing spot. 
yeah absolutely so so moving on to the the wide receiver two per dlf so it is a route running dream shall we say um my wide receiver one um garrett wilson mike i think you're a you're a little bit lower on him than consensus yeah so th this is interesting right because again I, I think it comes into uh style of play in terms of uh, fantasy and, and how we play the game and man garrett wilson is smooth isn't he he is he is smooth he is a route running dream like you said that the, the kid doesn't have holes in his game like he runs the route tree he he cuts well he he does all the things you want to see on film and you know i'm seeing a lot of people mentioning stefan diggs um I, I categorize them a lot more like, uh, you know, even Amari Cooper uh, coming out who, you know, despite his lack of fantasy greatness, uh, we all know is, is quite the route runner. But that's where I get a little bit of pause from Garrett Wilson is I what I see from him is great. And I think coming out, he'll be solid and he'll always be in that like really high end wide receiver to range but what i don't see from wilson based on size based on style of play and everything is i don't see that huge game breaker massive ceiling i i think if you were to ask me and we did a series of questions last year and one of them is which prospect would you bet your life on doesn't bust this year it's garrett wilson uh you know that that's a guy who i think is going to produce in the NFL without question. The reason why he's in my second tier by himself at number three is just, I don't think he has the ceiling of the other, other two. And I'm betting big on the two guys that I have one and two, obviously one being Burks and not to spoil the surprise, you know, think you figure out two is going to be London. Um, I, I just think those guys have a higher ceiling and, and project that if they reach that ceiling to be a better player than Garrett Wilson. Now, if they all played at their floor, uh, Garrett Wilson's the easy choice. So I think it's kind of how risk averse are you? Because Garrett Wilson is, is a complete wide receiver and a smooth, smooth character. Like I, I love watching this kid play because it everything is seemingly done correctly. It's almost like he's running on the line that the coach drew when, when he makes the cuts and everything. So I, I absolutely can see why you have him as your wide receiver one. I can see why a lot of people have them as a wide receiver one. And in fact, the three guys that I have in my top three, I don't begrudge anybody from having one above the other. It's all kind of what you see and, and, and what you're looking for. Uh, but Garrett Wilson, to me, absolutely has the highest floor in this class. I'm just not sure his ceiling matches that of Burks and London, which is how my rankings reflect. But how, how do you feel about kind of those points and, and what brings him to your number one? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, it's hard, it's hard to argue with what you're talking about in terms of ceiling. And I think perhaps this is where I slightly differ from a, a lot of people, I think, that within the dynasty community that I listen to in that I think sometimes we we kind of, not obsessed that's the wrong word but focus on you know ceiling of a receiver being size and speed and I think that you know for me Garrett Wilson's ceiling is somebody like a uh, Stefan Diggs and similar type of players but that's not me saying they're the same receiver but I'm saying you know Stefan Diggs in an offense where he commanded a 30 30 percent target share was the wide receiver three I want to say overall in mm. in 2020 and 
yes, you know, he he's not massive, he he's short, he he's not super fast, but because he gets open at will, I think that we sometimes neglect those type of guys and think, oh, he's not got this massive ceiling. But at the end of the day, a guy that can just get open is is a quarterback's best friend. And and yes, this is the kind of guy that I believe can command huge target volumes. And I really think that he will be, you know, we always hear the, the old adage of, you know, a tight end is a, a young quarterback's best friend. But if you're going to go and stick Garrett Wilson in a, an offense with a young quarterback, the guy just gets open. And I think that a lot of people talk about his route running and, and his, you know, smoothness, as you said. But the thing that impresses me most is that I don't think he's an incredible athlete, but his deceleration into breaks is mind-blowing. And I to, to, to cross-sport comparison, it's a bit like we talk about James Harden and when James Harden was at his peak with the Rockets, and it was everybody looked at him and was like, well, he's, he's not really fast. He's not like an explosive athlete. But the reason he could create separation was that step back because he could slam on the brakes. And I, I want to say it's like E3 or something. They do these one of these testing sites in, in California or something. And basically, James Harden was like a 99th percentile deceleration athlete. And that was his like one superpower. And that's what I see when I see Garrett Wilson is that his ability to go from top speed to cutting is incredible. And I think that that will translate really well to the NFL. And I think, yeah, you know, if if, if I was to sit here and, and say, do I think Garrett Wilson has got overall what dynasty wide receiver one ceiling potential? Pro- probably not. Do I think he is going to be uh, a fringe wide receiver two slash one for the next seven, eight years? Yes, absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm so kind of in love with Garrett Wilson. So he's my wide receiver 14 in terms of mm. my overall ranks. That's how much I believe in him. He's a 97th percentile um, player in my model. Um, to compare, that's, you know, Jamal Chase was 99th. Devonta Smith was 98.5. Like he's he's well up there in terms of one of the best ever in terms of how my rookie model looks at things. And I just think that he will translate to the NFL and I have no questions about that. But I, I do get your concerns about, I think he he's not the explosive athlete that is going to, you know, turn a, 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 a you know a, a smaller target volume into massive fancy production. I think he he does need, and I think he will command it, but he does need that that high target volume. So I, I think what I love is you hit on a really good point about dynasty players, and what I would say is it's funny. I, I almost want to post this poll like knowing what you know now right if i could give you a 22 year old keenan allen would you trade the 101 for him and i would trade the 101 this year my 2023 first and more for a young healthy keenan allen that i knew was going to produce the way that Keenan Allen produces year in and year out. I think we do it with Keenan Allen. We do it with Brandon Cooks. We we do it with these players that, you know, we're like, well, this isn't blowing the roof off everything. I'm like, no, but it's bankable every single year. Uh, and I do think we devalue that while we chase the dream of Calvin Johnson, while we chase the dream of Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson. And if Garrett Wilson played out to be the wide receiver 14, 
every year for 10 years, heck, that's that's it. That's a great bet and, and one I would take every day of the week. And yet some would think that would be a disappointment and, and wouldn't look at that as how valuable it is. Uh, the weekly variations will be low if he is in an offense where he commands the target share. Like you talked about a 30% because of his skill set, you, you'll be getting that constant bankable point production from wide receiver. So I love that call out. And, and I do think that honestly, Garrett Wilson could very easily post-draft jump into my number one spot if I don't love the landing spot from the first two. I just, I, I am chasing a little bit of the dream there just because you can't call anybody bankable. These are still college kids, right? Um, so that that's where if I knew you were going to get that, if you told me that was a guarantee, and I do think he has that potential to do so, yeah, he should be the one-on-one in that case. There's just obviously no guarantees at this point. So, uh, you know, if I'm going to pick a lottery ticket, I, I guess I'm, I'm the guy going for the higher jackpot that week than, uh, you know, the less players in the pot, uh, we'll say. Yeah, absolutely. And I think to go back to a pod probably about a month ago where we talked about similar things, but with quarterbacks. And I think this is where I have different approaches with different positions in that at wide receiver, I'm looking for, you know, that not not safe, but that elite potential, but not so much of a boom bust. Whereas at quarterback, you know, we talked about the, the conversation with Zach Jones, uh, Zach Wilson versus Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. And it was, look, they're, they're kind of similarly priced. I think Mac Jones is probably going to be a QB two sort of mid range, you know, sit around that 15 to 20 range for the next 10 years. Yeah. Zach Wilson, you know, for me, his ceiling is top three dynasty quarterback because I think mm-hmm. he's got that potential, but he could equally be out of the league in two years. And it's, you know, for me at quarterback, I'm always taking that Zach Wilson type because I'm shooting for the the complete ceiling because I think that's a complete league winner. Whereas at wide receiver, I'm playing it a little bit safer. And I think it's, you know, it's a really interesting way to approach it. And I think everybody is, you know, dynasty players. You need to think about that and 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 have that nuance in terms of where you're ranking and, and where you're, you're drafting guys. Because I think that can be lost a lot in terms of just looking at a list, can't it? Because, you know, we all mm-hmm. are ranking and it's like, Oh well, why have you got Garrett Wilson above Traylon Burks? And and if you talk to me, I'll explain why. But actually, what we're finding is that you and I just just value rookie wide receivers. We're looking for slightly different things, and that's the reason why we've got those differences in terms of how they rank. Yeah, absolutely, and that's completely fair. And you know, I, I think that that's the problem with rankings in general, and why I stopped doing them was. I was spending entire weekends like defending my rankings and turning people who hated me, you know, into at least understanding where I was coming from. Like I don't post hot takes. If I need engagement, I post jokes. I have fun with y'all. Uh, but when I post a football take, I, I believe it and and I'll, I'll back it up in every way. I don't, I don't need the clicks. Like we talked about, I don't, I don't get paid by the click. It doesn't matter to me. Uh, I, I try to give people actionable advice. And um, I remember I got secured for, uh, Darren Waller uh, underneath TJ Hawkinson in 2020. Um, of course, guess who was right, guys? We talked about this already. But um, but but in reality, you know, I could easily explain in the way by talking about a 30, 29-year-old tight end producing the way he did in the following season. We saw it from Zach Gertz. We saw it from Rob Gronkowski and, and the tail off and things like that, that maybe you do, still don't love my ranking, but at least you understand where I'm coming from. That's all I want to give. Uh, the listeners or the readers 
is enough information to make a decision on their own. If you then go ahead and say, hey, guess what, guys? I loved your podcast, but I took Drake Wilson, uh, Drake London, number one overall, instead of Garrett Wilson, Traylon Burks. Great. Um, at least you have the info to make the decision that works best for you and all the power to you. That's how we play this game. And that there's nothing wrong with any of it, in my opinion. Exactly. I think if you're just taking a piece of information and plugging it in like where's the fun in that like we could all just you know print off a list and and basically copy and paste but you might as well be on auto draft then i think the fun is taking the information and forming your own opinions and uh, and you know hopefully we're helping people make make those decisions here um so you i feel like you've hinted at him about 10 times already so we should probably just <laughs> just get to the the kind of consensus wide receiver three uh, he's my wide receiver three. Um, I, f- I feel like you really want to talk about it, Mike. So, uh, so away you go. Oh, it, it's been hard to get away from him because I have been going back and forth on my one and two so much, and and they're such different style players that it it's it's almost impossible for me to choose between the two because I love both skill sets. And and with Drake London, I, like we we talked about this the skill uh, the style of play you can't get away from the fact that. He plays like Mike Evans. I mean, he looks like Mike Evans. Like you could almost overlay their tape and see the same coming back to the ball, like that bully, big wide receiver, point of catch, like winning on almost every route. And, and just when the ball's in the air, those 50-50 balls turned to 90-10 balls almost instantly when Drake London's on the field. Now, the thing about it that I want to cost people on is he is considerably more slender than, than Mike Evans was. I want to say, uh, in, you know, don't quote me on this, I'll have to look it up again, but I want to say he's about 24 pounds lighter than Mike Evans was when he was coming out. I believe Mike Evans was playing closer to 233, uh, Drake London coming in about 208, 209. Uh, so there's a considerable difference in in uh, the the width and the, the size of the player. However, what I love about Drake London, and, and we're going to get to your guy, uh, Alave, in a moment, but what I like about Drake London is if he bulks up, and we have to remember these are kids, uh, they still will grow into their body. They still will fill out. If London does so, it doesn't change his top end skill. Like these guys that are winning on pure speed that bulk up to become better blockers could lose half a step. But the way London plays the game, if he was to bulk up to that 230 range where Evans is playing, where Traylon Burks is playing, I don't think it changes his style of play. And I don't think that it would concern me to say, well, how is he going to look at that size? Uh, and I think he's going to be a red zone threat. I think he he fits that kind of big target. I mean, the mid six five, right? So I think in a in a league that we all play in, which which values touchdowns, which values those you know red zone targets, uh, Drake London, you, you don't take him unless you're going to pepper him with red zone targets because that's what he is. He's that big target who wins, and everyone's going to talk about you know separation. We're, we're going to hear that over and over again, and, it, and it's exhausting. It is beyond exhausting. This is the NFL. Half a step is enough. And when you're high pointing the ball, when you're winning, when you're playing bully ball, this is just fine. Stop beating yourself up over Nikhil Harry. I'll do a whole different podcast for you on why Nikhil Harry didn't work out. And it's not what you think. Everyone believes, well, Nikhil Harry, no separation, you know, not great separation. So he's Nikhil Harry. No, Nikhil Harry came in overweight. He ended up in a system that didn't value his skill set. And then with a quarterback who doesn't trust rookie wide receivers, we can go on for days. But with Drake London, I mean, this is a guy who wins, 
who wins at the point of the catch, who is big, who is strong, who knows what to do with the ball and also has moves in the open field. So, yeah, I, I like I said, I, I don't love comps, but geez, I just see Mike Evans over and over again with this kid. And that's why I think his ceiling is so high. And I think contrary to what we talked about with a Traylon Burks, those concerns don't translate to Drake London. I think he does fit in to a traditional NFL wide receiver type role. So I don't think that landing spot really makes me nervous at all about Drake London, which is why if I was drafting pre-NFL draft, I'm really hedging on putting him my number one because really nothing that happened in April would scare me very much. Uh, with Drake London. I, I think he's just a prototypical big alpha wide receiver. And, and that's why I have him as my wide receiver too. Yeah. And I think I'm, I'm going to touch on the point you made about Nikhil Harry there. And I think I got into an argument with somebody on Twitter, shock, I know, um, last year, because I was, I was saying that for me, the reason that Jamar Chase has been a a complete success and, and Nikhil Harry wasn't. And yes, there was, there was a reasons you listed. And I think that Nikhil, uh, Jamar Chase is a better athlete, mm -hmm. but for me, and we talked about it last year, Jamar Chase has that elite body control mm -hmm. and he doesn't need to separate in order to create separation at the catch point. Mm -hmm. And I don't think Nikhil Harry ever got that. And that is what I see in Drake London. In that, yes, you know, if we're going to sit here, he isn't lightning fast. He doesn't have that elite speed where he's going to run past corners and be wide open. Okay. But he has that elite body control that enables him to create late separation. And, you know, if I'm watching wide receivers, I don't care whether you separate at the release, whether you are an incredible route runner and you're able to separate through that route running, or you can separate late and create, you know, a foot of separation in order for the quarterback to get the ball in. All I care about is that you can separate. And for me, yeah. you know, you've hit the name on my head. Yes, he lacks that speed, but I think he is a prototypical, traditional style X receiver. And I think you can plug him into 32 NFL teams. And I think he's, he, you, you know what you're getting. Um, I would say as well, that when you're talking about him adding weight, it was very interesting. I was listening to an interview with him probably a month ago. I think it was just after the combine. And he was saying, they were talking about him putting on weight. And he was saying, well, I've only been training my body for football for like 18 months because he was a two sport athlete and coming out of high school, basketball is kind of his, his preferred sport. He trained his body for, for those two sports. And obviously basketball is a very different body type to playing football. And, you know, he's only been a focused as a wide receiver for, for like 18 months. So I don't have that concern because I do think that, as you said, he's going to be able to, add some weight, he's going to be able to, uh, you know, not completely transform his body because I don't think he needs it, but I think he's going to be able to add that that little bit of weight that is potentially needed. And I think that will only help him at the next level. Um, I think he is, you know, whilst a big guy, whilst not lightning fast, I think he's a, he's a decent route runner to back as well. And I think it comes back to that body control of, you know, he's got the ability to get in and out of cuts. And, and look, if, if you've got a guy that you know, as you said, he's going to be a red zone weapon, can separate all over the fields. And, you know, it's going to be a matchup nightmare. Like, you know, there's, yes, there are a lot of, you know, bigger corners in the league, but there's also still a lot of 5'9", 5'10", 5'11", guys. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you're giving up six, seven inches to a receiver, that's before he puts his arms in the air. Like, there's not much you can do. And and I'm, I'm really excited about Drake London. And, um, yeah, I, I think... I, 
he, he's going to be fantastic. Um, he's my wide receiver 21 overall um, at the moment. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited and, yeah, well, v- very much in, in love with uh, with your comp there because I do think that that's, you know, the, the prototypical guy in that I think Drake London is just going to come in. He, he's, he's just going to be a Mike Evans where he's going to put up solid solid years. You know, I don't think he's going to be wide receiver one, but I wouldn't be shocked if we had a, you know, five, six thousand yard seasons. He's going to be in that eight to 12 touchdowns every year. And I, I just think he's he's going to be great for, for fantasy purposes. And, and I've got very few concerns about, as you said, landing spot and where he ends up, because I think he's going to be great. Love it. So, uh, so we'll dive into... Um, the, can we call him the third of the, of the Ohio State receivers, or are we counting him as the first to the Alabama ones? Uh, so that oh, is <laughs> Javison Williams. Um, Mike, he is currently ranked as the wide receiver four on DLF, but he is the wide receiver five in ADP. Away you go. Yeah, uh, not a fan. Um, <laughs> so let's just get this out of the way. Uh, when I look at uh, Javison Williams, there's a lot of concerns and and you touched upon the first one which was uh no longer in ohio state uh you have a crowded wide receiver room but he was there he was getting third wide receiver reps uh addison hayes just did a dlf video on this as well so i know he shares these concerns that he he didn't beat out the guys we're talking about and it's not like we're saying hey here are players that he never got in touch with. Like these were his teammates that he wasn't better than that are on this list. So I find it hard to believe that we're now going to rank him ahead of guys that he couldn't beat up. That's problem number one for me. Uh, Number two is just the burner skill set, the straight line speed and now coming off of an ACL injury right so you're not going to get camp with him you're you know you're possibly going to see a slight decrease in what is his elite talent um and i think you're getting a vertical player which is going to bring a ton of variance uh like we talked about very much the opposite of garrett wilson which is going to be a bankable wide receiver you're talking about a boom or bust player you're you're talking about really what is a you know, potential second coming of a Deshaun Jackson, Will Fuller type player where sure the end result numbers may be good, but they're, they're scored mostly in six or seven games. Like I don't see him translating to a PPR monster. I don't see him translating to a guy who's going to command a large target share. I, I see him as a vertical threat with the knee injury that that bothers me and it it should bother you as well um as drafting without being able to see the pro day and and things like that and knowing he's not going to get camp this is probably a guy who is going to have a fairly disappointing first season Uh, so why would you pay wide receiver for price now when there is potential people will give up on them on top of that there's the really the the concern that i don't think he's a guy that translates great to the NFL. The NFL is full of speed. So if that's what you're doing to beat people is you're fast, 
um, I need something else. And if you're talking about a healthy Will Fuller, that's a that's a very good wide receiver. But but that's a that's wide receiver twenty, right? That that's not someone who is winning you championships. That's not somebody who is going to challenge the upper echelon of the wide receivers currently in the NFL. That that's a complimentary piece. And that's what I think James Williams is going to fall into. Uh, I hope I'm wrong. I always say if I'm if I'm not high on a player, I want to be wrong. I want all these kids to be successful. I, I hope the best for all of them. Um, so I love being wrong on players that I fade. Uh, but he's not my style of player. He, he's not my type of player. He's injured. Um, and he's someone who had to go away from tough competition to get on the field. Um, I, I don't know how many more red flags I could put in the ground before people – are nervous and, and there there's a lot to be nervous about with this player in my opinion um so that's why he's my wide receiver six and uh we're not even going to talk about um david bell but but uh i'm not sure i even have him over bell uh to be honest that that's that's really how low i am on him that when you mentioned the top six uh, i ranked him six because you told me to rank six players uh <laughs> I, I wouldn't even say that he's my wide receiver six in this class that that's how i fall on this player well, there you go. We we covered David Bell in three weeks, two weeks time with uh, okay. with Matt. He's 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 one of our sleepers for for a bit of a tease. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I agree with you. I think the concern of the of the Ohio State thing is that for me, it's not even like you can look at him and say, oh, he he was the wide receiver three on the offense. You know, he he had a nice little role, but he was behind two elite guys. He didn't get used at all in two years at High State. This is a guy he didn't have ten receptions in a season, mm-hmm. and that that is that is you know alarming. We're not even talking about a one year wonder in terms of his performance. If you look at his game by game kind of breakdown, it's basically a good half season. In mm-hmm. that from week six when he had 146 yards and two touchdowns against A and M, through to the um, conference um the sec championship game uh, against georgia where he had 175 yards and two touchdowns that's basically eight good games mm-hmm. the other seven games and yes the last two there was an injury um but it's you know it's it's not even like you can sit here and say he he had an incredible season because he didn't he had a good half season and it was fantastic but you know, there's there's plenty of players that could put up fantastic half season in that Alabama offense when you've got an elite quarterback and you know an offensive line that's given him all day to throw. And I think that Jameson Williams for me, he is one of these. He's a better NFL receiver than he is a fantasy receiver, and I think he's going to get drafted higher than people think. You know, in the NFL draft, much like you know, yes, he's he's gone away since then, but like Henry Ruggs got drafted over CD Lamb and Jerry Judy. Now, at no point did I ever think Henry Ruggs was going to be a better fantasy wide receiver than those two, but it's because of that speed and that ability to manipulate a defense. And that is what Jameson Williams brings, but that doesn't necessarily translate to great fantasy production. And I think that for me, I'd, I I like him. I think he, he's got that kind of Hollywood Brown potential where he could, Again, not comping the player, just saying that type of fancy production where he could have good end of season lines. And I think Hollywood Brown is criminally underrated every single year. But as you said, he's he's never going to be bankable week in, week out. And and he's certainly a guy that I think I'm going to be nervous if it comes to playoff time and championship time. Ticking that box next to his name is uh, is always going to be a little bit tough. But look, I think he's 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 okay. 
but I do think that people are going to get too excited when he's a probably a top 20 pick in uh, at the end of April and I think he's, he's probably going to get overdrafted for me he's he's kind of probably end up, end up being like a a fringe I don't even know where I've got him ranked at the moment in terms of overall ranks but I think if 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 you're spending a first round pick on him in a super flex league I think I'd be a little bit nervous personally yeah I'd, I'd be if he was the top guy on my board at that moment like it was the nightmare scenario I'd be trading out of the pick I think you can get more value in a veteran uh for the pick then then you'll get in the player so so that's something i'd be moving out of so we never say don't draft a player that's just silly right uh everyone has value um but i'd be shopping the pick before i dove in on williams personally yeah absolutely absolutely so bringing us on to potentially the most contentious guy of uh of, of the pod uh, just just to bring you behind the curtain, I had a message from Mike yesterday saying, I hope your listeners aren't Olave fans, to which I replied, <laughs> I am. So uh, so we're going to talk about the wide receiver five in DLF rank and the wide receiver four in, in ADP. Uh, again, we're on the Ohio State trend out of Ohio State, Chris Olave. Mike, you're, you're a hater. Hate away. Uh, no, not a hater. I like, I like having fun with you. Uh, Olave's... I'm trying to think of the best way to articulate how I feel about Chris Olave is his film left me wanting more. And I don't a hundred percent know whether to blame the player or the coach. And that is what's killing me about Chris Olave. So what I see the man wins on outs and drags every time. He, he literally is wide open on six, seven-yard outs every play. What I saw in the combine was elite, elite speed. What I don't see is the two coming together. And I don't see him running a complex route. Like, why if a person who runs a sub-4440 can win consistently on outs. Why can't I find out and ups on his film? Why why don't I see him winning vertically? Like and and that's what kills me about Alave is I don't know what is holding him back. And what I'll tell you is if it's the coach that I'm too low on, plain and simple. But we talked about Traylon Burks and his combine speed and and obviously so much was made of Olave's combine speed but right now Burks plays faster he may not be faster but he certainly plays faster I think a lot of people struggle with that that straight line speed and football speed are totally different things and what Olave runs is a slower man's route tree and he runs it to perfection but doesn't seem to capitalize on it and that's where this is the hardest projection for me, because I feel like with the right coach, he'd be he'd be great. But I see him turning over the wrong shoulder. I see him not running the full route. Like even when he gets open vertically, it's it's almost an uncomfortable position for him to be in, as opposed to that facing the quarterback, ball in the chest, and then take off with it. That seems to be his comfort zone. 
uh, more so than those vertical threats and those, those high end. I, I know he did it. And I, I talked to my friend Ananda Derry, um, who is an Ohio State fan, and he told me he believes the coach. Uh, he told me to watch the Clemson game, which I did, and, and he played outstanding. But I don't see it enough to feel like I'm confident that Chris Olave will win vertically. And at his size, he's not much of a blocker. Uh, he, he is a smaller player. Um, and it's not that he's not willing to block. He's just not overly successful at his size. Uh, I, I don't know that he'll be a huge NFL output playing close to the line of scrimmage. I, I, I think that he'll have to make his bones in the NFL winning vertically. And I didn't see that. Um, and again, we're novice film people. And obviously he does what the coach tells him. So if he adds that, I'm too low on Chris Olave, and he goes up to the Garrett Wilson level um, of player. I just didn't have enough evidence to spend a high pick on somebody on the hopes that he'll win vertically when it wasn't shown to me during the season, when it wasn't shown to me in watching the snaps. I have a hard time when we're talking about – we are speaking about investing – a high first-round pick in these players. I don't like projecting skills that I haven't seen yet onto a player, and that's what holds me back about Alave. So I see what everyone else sees, but I don't see what I need to see to get there on him. And I think a lot of people are comfortable projecting things onto this player that I'm just not. And um, that's why in this one, Rich, and, and I did say this about Waddle last year as well, uh, of all the players we're going to talk about, the one that I'm very confident that I, I have a high probability of being wrong on is Chris Olave for this reason. And it's just because I don't have the concrete evidence I need. The route running looks good. The measurables look great, as we've talked about, um, which is what brought him back into the conversation. Uh, but the output, his his disappearing in games when he's playing with Garrett Wilson um, and JSN, right? Like he, he did have times where he disappeared. He did have those three for 44 games. And if he's not winning vertically, I can see that happen in the NFL. And that that's really just not enough for me for where he's going in, in rookie drafts to say, yeah, I'm all in on this player. So I love the part that he does. I just hate that he doesn't do the other parts that I want to see, if that makes sense. Yeah, and no, I, I, I kind of hear you on, on a lot of that. And I think for me, I think he's – He's not the root runner that Garrett Wilson is, but I think he's an elite separator in that I don't think he runs the nuanced routes, but I think he uses that athleticism well to create separation. And and it's it's a different skill. And I think that sometimes people lump that in the same kind of category when talking about root running. And and you know, it's came back to when we we're talking about Drake London and I don't necessarily have concerns that Chris Olave will separate at the next level. And I think that to me, I think if, if he can separate, I think he's, he's going to get the ball in his hands. And I think the most underrated skill for me with, when it comes to Chris Olave is that we talked about, you know, we talked about earlier with, with Drake London, Traylon Burks and, and those big bodied guys in the red zone and, and how they're touchdown monsters. I think the underrated thing is that sometimes if you have a guy that can separate, they are also elite touchdown producers. And you look at Chris Olave, I mean, from a touchdown per game percentile, he's through the roof. You look at from the amount of touchdowns, I think I want to say he's Ohio State's leading 
touch, receiving touchdowns all time in terms of his career. And yes, he obviously had the four year career, but this guy just scores touchdowns. And I think that from a, you know, my model perspective, mm. he's a, he's 97 and a half percentile athlete. He would be wide receiver three last year behind Jamal Chase and Devonta Smith. But he ticks a lot of those boxes from a data standpoint in terms of yards per team pass attempts, that, that, Yards per team pass attempt breakout age, which I've talked about before, is is kind of a metric that I've created to look at basically at what point you you hit a threshold. Um, you know, he's 99th percentile in terms of that. You look at the PPR per game, you look at the total touchdown per game, he ticks every single box from a data standpoint. Mm-hmm. And I think that he is a, a, a very fast receiver, as we saw at the combine. I, I get your concerns around, I don't think he is an incredible route runner but I do think he can separate. And and that's why I feel it, it, it's not that I'm all in and it's not that I love the guy, but it just feels like compared to consensus, I'm a lot higher. And I think that perhaps one of the other knocks is that he is a senior and he did forego coming out last year. And, and that always seems to knock people. And I know that the data suggests that, you know, seniors aren't as good, but that's you know that's that's not a massive concern for me certainly for me i've I've got him very close to drake london um in that two three bracket and and i'm very excited about him going forward to the next level yeah and like i said that that's completely fair i i everything say about the metrics I, i've heard a million times over and, and like i said the range of outcomes of this player is large i just don't see anything particularly electric about this player that gets me excited and and, and part of the fun of fantasy football is drafting a player excited about right like <laughs> hey i i can't wait to see what this guy does and alave doesn't do that for me it, it's it's bland uh it, it's fine don't get me wrong it, it's fine but a first round pick i want to be excited about and and I, I don't get that feeling i get okay yeah he'll be all right um and and could potentially be good uh i i just don't see anything electric like Jalen waddle we, we keep going back to last year Traylon burks this year uh jumped off the page with some of the things that they did like you watch and go whoa where where did that come from uh with the lobby it's like okay cool yeah no he won he won there yeah he won there yep separation definitely uh those seven yard routes i don't know there's anybody who got more separation than him i mean half the time he's running out you don't even see the cornerback in the screen uh probably respecting that speed but they said what i didn't see as a player capitalize on that i just saw good 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 and i was just waiting for a while and and it never came and and that could be a knock on me looking for like we talked about those ceiling athletes but it i just it never popped for me it was just like yeah that's that's very good yeah that's very good and and i can tell you right now and and, and we like to separate the two because we are talking about fantasy football a lot here from an nfl standpoint man, i love him on my team yeah there, there's no question uh and we i think last year it was amon ross st brown that we talked about that i said i i think that he'd be a better nfl receiver than uh, a fantasy football one uh he, he made me look bad at the second half of the year we talked <laughs> about why that happened but um but a guy you want to have on your football team and chris Olave is certainly that guy uh my fear is that right now he can't block worth the lick because of his size and if they bulk him up to block will he lose the elite skill set will he lose that top end speed will he lose that ability to separate even at half a step as you know in the nfl that's enough to change an entire outlook on a player uh so that that scares me a little bit too but yeah no i i, I hear what you're saying i i just i i 
I just don't, I can't get there. And that could just be a flaw in mind. That's all. So, uh, so we're going to shift and talk about a guy that's hurt me plenty of times before as, as a Georgia fan. Uh, I've been very excited as a Devi player two years ago. I think I bought every share I could and uh, mm-hmm. it feels like he's, uh, he's just hurt me two years on the trot. Uh, I know you're excited about this guy, Mike. So, uh, so George Pickens, the the floor is yours. Oh, he's so angry. He is so angry. I love this guy. Uh, he has that just dogfight every time the ball's in the air. Like I, I watched every snap. I watched every target, and I'm not sure that I even recall an interception on a ball that was thrown George Pickens way. And obviously we've lost, as you know, uh, being a Georgia fan. And I think as everyone knows, being a football fan, we lost a, a considerable amount uh, after the ACL injury. That was unfortunate. Um, you know, the preseason injuries are always a killer. And, uh, but when you go back and watch this player and what he does, he has that DeAndre Hopkins arrogant hands, right? Like he is, uh, he's a bully out there. And I, I just love those type of players. He, he has like a linebacker mentality at wide receiver. And that's what I, I truly love about George Pickens. And, and this could be a, the fan talking in him is that, you know, no, he doesn't run elite routes. He doesn't create a ton of separation, but he fights through contact. He goes and gets the ball. He doesn't need it put in a perfect spot to go grab it. He seems to be a guy who is magnetized by the football. Um, Sorry, even with that 52-yard catch in the college football playoffs, which was his only catch, obviously, coming back off of injury. Um, But you saw a guy who will lay out for the football. He's just got that style of play that I gravitate towards. We talked about, I'm an old man, right? I grew up uh, watching what was angrier football than we have now. And and George Pickens, he reminds me of a a throwback and and a guy that I just think is going to win more often than he should, given his profile and makeup. So uh, I can only bet that his metrics and his numbers uh, don't show well. And I think this is always the difference between film and, and metrics, guys, right, is that you're not going to see, I can imagine, elite separation. You're not going to see elite top-end skill. You're not going to see the numbers that jump out at you that you quoted for Alave, which I'm guessing will drop him considerably in your model. Uh, and obviously, me being a film guy, uh, I don't do that. I, I look at the player, and what I see is just somebody who gets it done, even on times where he shouldn't have to. And that's where I put him closer to like a London uh, than probably you would just because the film and the style of win, it's a similar style of play where a 50-50 ball is turned into an 80-20 ball when George Pickens is on the field. Like he just seems to come down with it. And I think he's going to be someone that a quarterback will fall in love with because of that fight. I think too often, and and as a Patriots fan, I was screaming at uh, Nelson Aguilar uh, during the Patriots-Bills playoff game because Aguilar refused to fight for the ball that was eventually picked off by Von Bell. And and we know what happened from there, Uh, but it wasn't a bad throw. It was a wide receiver who refused to come back to the ball and fight for it. And I think that will get you less and less targets. As we always talked about targets are earned. I think George Pickens is a guy that a quarterback will like throwing to. 
I, I think that he will come back for the ball. I think he will show that fight. Uh, and I think that will earn him targets in the NFL. So uh, there's nothing metrics related that you're going to tell me that's going to shock me on, on why you're low on him. I just love the style of player and, and perhaps it's the fan in me rooting for him, but I love those guys that'll get dirty as a former wide receiver. I love the guys who will fight for the ball. I love the guys who will do those little things that might not show up on a stat sheet, but certainly will pop out on film to the coach and to the quarterback as uh, this is a guy who, even when he's not open, don't worry about it. He's going to get you out of trouble. I, I think he's that style of player. And those guys, just tend to make it sometimes. So uh, not a lot of actionable advice on this particular one. I'm narrating a lot, but uh, it's just a player that I love on film and, and love the style of play. And that's why I have him ranked the way I do. Yeah, I, I think for me, George Pickens is the guy that I struggle the most with because from uh, watching the tape perspective, I see everything that you've said in terms of, I love watching him. As a Georgia fan, I loved him in that 2019 season where he was, you know, as as a young guy beating up people and and you know going and grabbing the ball and and look like a future absolute star. But then also as a Georgia fan, I've I've been heartbroken watching him over the last couple of years and and the ACL injury and 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 not get to that elite potential that he showed. And then from a metric standpoint, you know, it's it's really not there. Um, you know, you talk about receiving yards per team pass attempt breakout age which is one of that, that as i said with chris alave it's that model that that i've kind of created george pickens is 36th percentile in terms of that he is really low you look at his ppr points per game he's a 40th percentile there the one thing his ppr breakout percentile he is 100th percentile he is the youngest guy in terms of to hit the metric in terms of um, points per game at, at age 18. Like he he was fantastic when he came on the field. And and that's where I struggle is that there's there's flashes. There's absolutely the potential there. But I don't know if I can kind of bring myself to dive all in. Um, what I would say from a, like an NFL perspective, I really want this guy on my team. As a yeah. Jets fan, I would much rather the Jets spend one of those early second round picks on George Pickens than go and spend in a top 10 pick on Garrett Wilson or Drake London or or something like that. That seems to be the, the in vogue thing at the moment, because I think that the ceiling for George Pickens is as good as those guys. And you're getting him at, you know, a fraction of the cost. And that's, he's kind of the last guy from a fancy perspective that I'll probably find myself drafting at the wide receiver position, because once we get past him, I'm just punting the wide receiver position because you know, day day three picks don't exist to me, and and I don't believe in taking those those late round flyers on wide receivers. I'd much rather just stuck up on the running backs. And I I, I guess what I'm saying is I'm I'm rambling, I'm waffling, but I I just don't know George Pickens. <laughs> like there's there's stuff that I love, there's stuff that I absolutely hate. I've stuck him at wide receiver nine basically because there was eight guys that I really liked, and and he was just the next guy, and. I could easily see myself being very wrong on him. I could easily see myself when I go back and do my second film review and, and bumping him up, I could easily see him bumping up. If if the NFL, you know, he, he could potentially creep into that back end of the first round, at which point he would jump up. Um, but I, I, I guess I'm saying I, I just don't know. And and I think that nobody really knows because of that, that injury and, and the, you know, the season he had last year, 
yes, he came back for those last like three or four games, didn't he? But he never really truly looked like himself. Um, so it will be a lot to tell. And this is where you kind of wish you were an NFL GM and you could see him work out and, uh, and get him into the building to have a chat with him. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think Pickens, you hit the nail on the head that we're, none of us fully know. We, we all see what we want to see. And there's good and bad. Uh, there, there's reasons to love him, reasons to hate him. And there's absolutely a reason why there's a, a significant tier break after the top three for me is because then you get into the world of uncertainty. So uh, in that next tier, is it that I want George Pickens to succeed, succeed over everyone else? Maybe. Uh, but but he's the guy I seem to be gravitating towards. I think when people talk about, well, he had a great rookie season and then kind of dropped off from there. I mean, this isn't Justin Ross we're talking about. Uh, there There's obvious reasons why George Pickens' performance, uh, you know, wasn't where it needs to be. There, There's certainly, you know, we could go over a litany of things that would differ him from a one-year wonder. He's not that. Like, you can still see the old George Pickens in flashes. It's just after the injury, he wasn't able to put it together for full games. And that's not uncommon coming back on the timeline that he did. I mean, we have to remember that that was in off-season camps. This wasn't the year before he got hurt. You know, he got hurt going into the season and then came back in January. And how many players have we seen, even at the NFL level, that take that extra year to come back into form? We fall into the trap of the freaks, uh, Adrian Peterson coming back quickly after ACL surgery. And we forget about how many players that we saw that did take a full calendar year to heal from that injury where you may see George Pickens even get off to a somewhat slow start going into the season. But I think if he reaches his potential where he's going, he, he'll be the value of the draft by far. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Can't argue with that. Well, Mike, it's been an absolute pleasure. This is, this is certainly one of the pods I enjoy doing most all year and uh, it has not disappointed. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Um, remind the, the listeners where, where can everybody find you and, uh, and find your work? Yeah, so you can always find me on Twitter at Daddy's Home FF. Uh, trying to have fun with everybody. That's where I do more of my entertainment stuff. Uh, but if you're looking for my serious work, uh, Dynasty League Football, you can find me hanging with Daddy, is interviews with analysts. We actually just had a Hollywood star and Todd Everett Scott on the show this past week. Um, and this, this week coming up is one you may want to check out for people who maybe aren't on the entertainment side of things. Uh, me and Ryan McDowell talked for an hour and a half about dynasty trades we talked about how to make trades it's dynasty trade month on dlf we talked about how to make trades we talked about trades that we would make right now based on adp and also if you want a real glimpse into playing dynasty ryan and i talked about trades that we made in our league who we think won the deal and what was the mindset going on behind it so it's it's the most football-based show I've ever done uh, as part of the genre, but I had a blast running with one of my best friends. Uh, so being able to talk football with them and, and show you what me and Ryan's like text messages and, and conversations look like during the season, I, I think is a really cool look. So check that out on the DLF YouTube channel. And as Rich so nicely pointed out, during the season, my niche is telling you players that are outside of the consensus top 20 or 25 at their position that are going to smash that week. I give you one sleeper start that I think you can either A, find on the wave wire or B, pick up and trade for next to nothing. Uh, and that's on Trophy Smack Smack Zone. Uh, we can catch all of my, uh, my weekly content there so dlf is strategy articles and podcasts and then trophy smack is weekly articles for your lineup setting enjoyment 
Perfect. And they can find you at Daddy's Home FF, where it's been an absolute pleasure, Mike. And uh, we'll be back next week with the tight end preview. Um, And yeah, hope you have a good week, guys. And we'll see you again next week. to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.